Welcome to a new episode of These Go to Eleven. Let's turn it up. Hey everybody, welcome back to These Go to Eleven, an unchurchy conversation about everyday faith. Please make sure you like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast platform. This not only helps us to get our content out there, but also helps us to find out what you, our faithful listeners, think. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to Eleven. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me as always, Greg Dutcher. Greg, what's going on, man? I'm doing well, dude. I'll tell you, it's a little gorgeous streak of weather we're having. Yeah. For the most part, isn't it? Oh, man. Feels autumn-like. It does, especially after that first week we had of September. Oh, remember how hot that was? Yeah, right after Labor Day, just, I mean, record-breaking temperatures for how hot it was. I feel like it was hotter that week than at any time in the summer. I think you're right. And it was uh, brutal. So I'm I'm with you, dude. I, I can tell you you got a little light jacket on. Yep. And I, uh, you know, I don't, but mm-hmm. I'm hot natured probably because of layering. <laughs> but I love it. Dude. Yeah, I love it. I went for a nice walk today. And <clears throat> while it is technically not fall, or even the day this releases, it's very close. Right. Now, you know it's going to get hot again. Dude. Oh, yeah. It's middle we, Yeah. It, it'll, it'll do that. I mean, really, really about mid-October mm-hmm. is where you can say, you know. Kind of count yeah. on it. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And so, but I love it, dude. It's uh, as much as I, again, the only season, yeah, as you well know, dude, that mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of. Yeah. Is heading into that dead of winter. Yep. Um right after the holidays that is tough but fall no problem at all yeah fall dude i mean right now nathan i know i know all you're thinking about like me is ravens are two and oh orioles yeah (laughs) (laughs) orioles just uh clinched a playoff berth for the first time since 2016 Mm -hmm. ending a seven-year drought i know you're just i mean dude you're all up on that man you know i just i can't think of anything better to do then be checking those scores and those stats. You know, I've got my, I've got my fantasy team oh, all yeah. ready oh, to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just I fantasize daily that uh, I will never have to hear about <laughs> this again as long as I live. Oh, dude. <laughs> yes. Well, I will say this year it's good. I'm only in one fantasy league. I ha- my record. I know it's been a few years. Was four, which was ridiculous. <laughs> Then it really becomes just the most all-consuming thing because when you're in four leagues, dude, every player on every team matters. Right. In all 16 games at this time of the year, 15 games, whatever it is. Yep. Uh, And it's just nuts. Yeah, no, I think it's 16 because there's 32 teams. Until the bye weeks, you've got 16 games going. And... Lisa has become a true and blue Ravens fan. I mean, she watches, she's into it. She, she really, uh, you know, I've always said my brother was the one who, who, uh, opened up her mind for football when he explained what a down is defining it as a chance. So she's been into it, but she is less enthusiastic about, uh, 
say, you know, uh, the 49ers are playing the Panthers, and I've got, <laughs> I've got my kicker, my wide receiver number two, and my tight end in those games. <laughs> those things don't resonate with her. Fair enough. But for me, dude, fall. Yeah, you're, yeah. Um, I, I associate it all with just a neat season. Yeah. I know it's a bummer for most kids because they go back. To school, but don't you think, Nathan, deep down, mm-hmm. while few will admit it, kids are in school more often than they're not in childhood. Oh, yeah. And their friendships, yeah. their rhythm is all formed there. Yeah. I don't buy that it's, maybe in some cases, it's as hated I, as everybody. I would agree. I think, I, I do think, though, I think more and more we are pushing away from that as. As I observe students interacting with more people online yeah. and online gaming, because I think it's fair to say that I was not a fan of school, but I always enjoyed going back. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, I, I was not... Captures my take, too. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed yep. going back. I enjoyed seeing my friends. Yeah. Um, and, and really, the first half of the year was fine. I mean... Uh, and in New England, I, I even enjoyed everything up until March, really. I yeah. mean, because we had we had clubs, we had winter clubs, and so we had skiing yeah. and all that stuff. So I enjoyed all that. I think I think the big thing was like March and April. Like yeah. those two months up there, March, you kind of had some winter left, so yep. it wasn't horrible. But then April, it's like mud and, yeah. you know, May, you're now coming down the line. Yeah. Um, so here... I will say this, while I think winters here um, just blow the big one. Yes, um, they're I, the worst. I loved winters up north. I do think springs here are much better than yep. springs up north. Yeah. Um, I uh, I could see that. I could see that, dude. And I, I, li- I wish if we, like the weather today, it's a little cooler, it's sunny. It's yeah. Like we could freeze it just yeah. for a while. I'd be very content. But I'm looking ahead. Let's see, dude. On the all-knowing iPhone. Actually, dude, uh, this might change. For the next 10 days, it looks like weather stays in the 70s and even dips to the 60s. So Okay. We, we, we might have a little streak on. All right. We might. Uh, my, you know, I just came through my birthday last week, dude, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. I, my mother says I was born on the hottest day in 1970, the 15th. I I've looked that up, and I'm not sure that's true. It was hot. Mm-hmm. I think probably, I don't know if they did the heat index like they do today, you know, where it's 93. Right, but, but it feels really like, like 100, yeah. And as I heard a comedian say one time, dude, I don't remember which one, but it's so true. Yeah, whatever the feels like temperature right. is, <laughs> that's the temperature. Right. Like, I love it. Yeah, but the actual... Does it feel like 98? Right. Then it's 98. Yeah. Don't tell me it's 92. (laughs) Dude, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's rain. (laughs) Right. I think it's the first time we got that live on the podcast. What the heck? Oh, my goodness. And then how do we go from this pleasant banter to our serious topic? Nathan, you're a professionally trained podcaster, so I expect you to get it. Yeah, well, actually, I do. I I think it can because we're talking about grief, right? This is what we're doing all month. Our first first September one was how we grieve as individuals. Yeah. This one we're talking about what should we and shouldn't we do, Mm -hmm. right? And I I think it's very apt. You know, Scripture tells us to... 
weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. I think even in the midst of sorrow and weeping, there can be laughter and joy, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, whenever whenever you come to life, right? I mean, that's that's the whole sitcom, right? It's yep. situational comedy. Um, it's in the midst of everything that's going on. There's there's laughter and there's joy. Yeah. Um, and I think it is appropriate as we're talking about grief. You know, we start off uh, with with some joy, with some banter. Um, but, but really we, we do want to talk about what is and isn't helpful to the person who's grieving. Yeah. Right. And I think, I think the banter, I think the, the laughter, uh, can be very appropriate at times, but it can also be very inappropriate at times. Oh, sure. Sure. Um, and so that's where we're going, uh, in this episode and looking forward to see where we, where we head, you know, it's never... Never quite where we think. We always Which start on a road, and then uh, you know we, we start on a road. We start on a journey, and then we you know we end up off somewhere in the wilderness. Dude, as a friend of mine says, by the end of this podcast, we'll be saying, "No way, Nathan! I was on a shrimp boat too." <laughs> you know, because uh, so my friend Todd calls what our conversation two guys with ADHD, not you and me. He would say this about <laughs> him and I. He and I, I think you uh, ground me uh, a little better. The, we call it shrimp boating. Yep. Because he would always say that. He goes, Yeah, Dutch, how can we start talking about like uh, what our plans are for this weekend? And then within five minutes, we're like, Yeah, I was on a shrimp boat too. And so we've taken to call that shrimp boating. Yeah. And it really, he's amazing at it. Like we're talking about something. I'm like, Okay, so why are we talking about fly fishing when I don't have any interest in fly fishing and don't really care? And where were we? And he goes back. We, we talked about fly fishing because I talked about how uh, we uh, how my family went up to Vermont and we were on the lake. Oh, why were we were talking about that? Well, because we were talking about cheese, and cheese made me think of Vermont cheese. And right. It made me think of the trip to Vermont, which made, and honestly, dude, he will shrimp boat back. Yeah. And get us to where we were talking about. I don't know progressive dispensationalism <laughs> or something. And it's an amazing skill. So. You'll keep me more focused than that. We'll, we'll keep we'll keep more focused. Yeah, which, yeah. which I'll I'll need, um, dude. Can I just throw one out? Yeah. In terms of helpful, not yeah. Let's helpful. just let's just jump right in. Uh, as I said, you know, last week been certainly a season of grief for us. Um, the time we're podcasting, it's been well less than a month since my dear mother-in-law Connie passed. Um, it's yeah, about been about three weeks, a little more than three weeks. And I uh, can tell you this. This is an encouragement for people. Many people feel, oh, my goodness, it's hard to know what to say, uh, which I respect because in some sense there's a, probably an internal governor that's, that's giving enough sense to say words do matter here, approach matters here, so be mindful of that. But the flip side of that is it can be easy to just flat out retreat. Yeah. Hard to know what to say, so I won't show up. Yeah. And what I can say experientially that I've preached intellectually and written about intellectually, but to just have come through an experience where I I lived it, people that show up, it, it it helps. Yeah. And now that could be showing up to a viewing. It could be a very formal 
occasion, right, or a funeral. But I'm not even talking about that. I just mean finding a place to show up somewhere in that person's life and not avoiding them yeah. for a while. And last thing I'll say about that, dude, I I get it. I, I, I sometimes wonder if that instinct is so strong. Because how many times, dude, have you watched a movie Yep. and there is a gut-wrenching scene in the movie? Like early on, you didn't see it coming. Something horrible, like a child that they've introduced. Mm dies in an accident yeah and you you know that's going to be a major plot point to kind of launch the story i'm always relieved when i sit in a theater and the next scene is five years later yeah because there's a sense in which okay yeah i'm not parachuting into their fresh grief right so i've wondered sometimes is there this aversion because we do digest a lot of content where things time is elapsed yeah and not real life but in real life where you can't do that yeah and i think just the idea of being present Mm -hmm. dude every so many people are on my mind over the last three weeks you of course being one of them my friend that we're just there Mm -hmm. and maybe there was some salient wisdom that was passed on by people probably sure but it, that's not what's like sticking with me right now. Maybe eventually, but the fact that people were there and that embodied their care, it, it matters. Yeah. No, and, and I think that's uh, that's so huge. We've, we've talked about this before. I, I can't remember if it's been on this podcast that we've said it. We've certainly, uh, I know you've certainly said this in church, but the most helpful thing that Job's friends did for him oh, yeah. was come and sit with him. And, and really, the trouble starts when they open their mouth. Yep. But but that time where they just come and sit with him and be with him, those are some of the most precious moments that we see. Oh, yeah. And I think that we see rightly in Scripture, right, yep. that, that this is what you should be doing. Yep. Go and sit with the person, um, you know, and, and I think had... You know, his friends kind of remain silent and let Job just speak yep. out of his grief. Yeah. I think that would have been another example of this is what we should do. Agreed, dude. You know, I love that. Um, I've been thinking about that passage a lot, Nathan, because you're right. I have referenced it and I've had it, I've heard it in many messages. And I've thought, okay, I've, I've thought a lot about this because I'm never going to win awards on application. You know that, dude. It's not my. It's not my specialty. Sure. Um, where Matt Smith is, is a much better application person than I am. Some of that is personality in my part. Mm-hmm. Some of it's philosophy, but we don't have to get into that now. Save that one for another podcast. Um, but I would say that, okay, here's a practical way of applying that wisdom in a in an age where a lot of our communication is, you know, I'm holding on my iPhone yeah. I, as if the audience can see it. So I'm saying I'm holding up my iPhone. Um, so much communication is you know, digital, Yep, is you know, dropping uh, a message to somebody. I think an application of what Job's friends did when they sat with him, because in the text they sat with him a week, Yeah, which some cultural things going on there in terms of mourning, that are probably uniquely Jewish, almost pre-Jewish, that book is so old. Um, But uh, a principle that holds 
I look at it like this. Sometimes letting a person know you're nearby. Yeah. You're giving them space. Yep. But you're nearby. Yep. It it's kind of a both end. Yeah. Hey, I want to let you have the space that you feel that you need. Uh I also want to uh let you know that I'm I'm right here. Yeah. Cuz in a sense that's what Job's friends were doing. They were yeah. physically present because we couldn't send a message or they couldn't send a message back then. But by not talking, they're kind of present, yeah, giving him space. It almost occasions his own readiness and invitation. And dude, I've come to really appreciate that. Yeah. When um we saw uh, Lisa and I, my new friends, Terry and Joan in Cooperstown. I met Terry in my, my MFA writing program and uh, become a nice surprise buddy this past year, you know, just a guy I've only known less than a year now. Um, when we went to see them in Cooperstown, mm-hmm. I really appreciated this. They said we could have stayed with them, but a family member has a house across the street that they're only in a few times a year, and it wasn't that week. Yeah. And he said, and I also know you might want your privacy. Yeah. So it was kind of neat. We spent the bulk of the day, but there is, I think most of us, don't you think, Nathan? Oh, yeah. Crave that little bit of, I need an oasis just to go back with. So I think that's a way to practice Job's friends' hospitable ministry of presence. You're nearby. You're very close. That communicates, I love you, and I want to help you. Yeah. And I want to support you in any way I can. I'm also recognizing you might need some time. Yeah. No, I, I agree 100%, you know, because, again, uh, I, I think there there are those moments where the person wants to talk. They want someone yeah. there. But, but yeah, there, there are the moments, too, in the grief where I, just, I need to be alone to process this. Yeah. You know, I need to be alone to to kind of think through this, cry through this, whatever it might be. Um, and and I don't necessarily want someone there at this second, but five minutes later, I might. It's so true. Yeah, it's so true. And having friends that that embody that I'm here, like yeah. it's kind of a I got a foot in the door and a foot out. Yeah. And you tell me what serves you best. Yes. What what a what a just marvelous. I don't know why there's a Christ-like uh, yeah. tendency there. There's a he doesn't kind of force us. He invites us, but he's always present. Yeah, you know, and it, there's something about that that I think is very powerful. So I would just say the first thing, yeah, that comes to my mind, Nathan, is to I'd rather err on the side of being present. Yeah, and l- most people I find are not offended too much by grief-stricken people. Right. If, if if a grief-stricken person says, you know, I'm sorry, right now is not a great time for me. I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. I mean, somebody says that to me. Dude, and I'm a uber-sensitive right. person. You know that. I'm not remotely offended by right. that. I'm like, I got you, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, of course. So I think, you know, just doing that is, yeah. is key. Well, and with that uh, is also knowing yourself enough to know when you can be there or not be there for someone right I yes mean, because you don't want to you don't want to tell somebody hey you know uh, I'll be there and then you're not yeah um you know and so making sure you know yourself and 
enough and know your schedule, know your the distance, right oh, yeah. where you are. I mean, you know, let's be physical distance is a thing. Yep. Um, and and knowing what you're able to do, um, and being able to offer that up. Yeah. Um, you know, I I know there are times where I was uh, going through things, and I had a friend who was out west, couldn't meet with this person face to face, but I needed to get on the phone and call. I could call now specific times of the day, right? Because you you have different time zones and all of that stuff. But I, I knew the limitations of that friend, and I also knew that friend was not going to offer up any more yep. than they could. Yep. No, that's good, dude. That's really knowing a person, knowing their rhythm, their life. I think that's that's very important. I'm going to pivot, dude. Yeah. I want to go to another point, and it wasn't quite what I thought would get us there, but it just seems natural. Um, let I said, let me talk about viewings, having just done two viewings. Yeah. Viewings, dude, as I trust most people know that are in the inner family that's sort of receiving people. A couple things. When, when my mother-in-law just passed, it dawned on Lisa and me together, really, I think, for the first time in our life, we were the main recipients of guests mm-hmm. where in the past uh, when her father died I felt like we were the assistant to the main recipient yeah her mother and it dawned on me oh my goodness yeah people are coming to see us and when I say us I I really mean Lisa and her brothers and and the the, the spouses very close to that sure but a little bit secondary uh, but you know, because Lisa and I, you know, we're we're, we're one team. I, I definitely felt in it with her. So I want to be very careful here, and I'm just not saying this, Nathan, because oh, this is the politically correct thing to say. Um, there was nobody from CFC who erred in my remembrance in this area. So. Anybody listening to this podcast right now says, well, what's, what's Dutch you're about to say about, right. <laughs> about viewing etiquette? Because I know an individual who is not attending our church yep. and does not listen to this podcast. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. I won't even reveal gender. Yep. So I will just say they. Please hear nothing political in that. Right. People, I'm using the purposefully ambiguous they. There was a person who showed up. This person was very kind. This person was very, uh, you know, warm. So I want to stress that. I was a little surprised to see them because they've not really been a part of my life Mm -hmm. for years. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate it. My first thought was, oh, this is nice. Appreciate it. This was the 2 o'clock viewing. Yep. And this person stayed. I had told you about this. Yeah, yeah. I think the night it happened. Yeah. Because I was sort of surprised. This person stayed and talked to me for almost 40 minutes. Yeah. Making it a little harder to connect to some other people that are in closer. Right. Whatever. Relational proximity, I guess. Right. Um, And then I finally kind of had to be a little bit assertive. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything rude, like I had to interrupt them or anything. But I just said, 
oh, there's a aunt or an uncle yeah. or cousin I should go see. Then this person went to my daughter, Samantha, and talked to her for 30 minutes. Yeah. And Samantha later said, Dad, I'm not, I'm not lying. They commented on me when I was young and how right. much I've grown up. But I had no idea who that person was. Right. And they talked to me for 30 minutes. Yeah. Kind of an extreme example. But sure. you and I talked about that. That is a well-intentioned person. So yeah. I, I, I'm not like, oh, how dare they? Right. But I would also come back on the flip side and yeah. say, that person needs to know their connection. Yeah. And if you do a kind of a concentric circle thing. Yeah. There, they might not have even needed to show up right at that viewing, and an expression in a card, mm-hmm. letter, or some sort would probably be in that case just as appropriate. Yeah, dude, am I? Do I sound too uh, obnoxious? No, I think I think that's fair because one of the things that that those of us who are going to and I'll take the the recent example of you know going to uh Connie's viewing seeing you there seeing Lisa there um you and I are super close dude mm-hmm. we're super close friends even with that I was there maybe 20 minutes mm-hmm. and most of the time I spent talking with other people than the family yeah it's that thing where you knew that I was there. Of course. And so if there is something that you needed, you knew you could get a hold of me. It's the first point. But yeah. I'm not going to monopolize your time because first and foremost, as a family, you're grieving in a very specific way together. Yeah. And so there's a lot of things that you want to do together and share with one another. And you're inviting people to to join in this grief. Yeah. And and you know, you're inviting people to come in and and basically just show that they love you and care about you. And I think I think it's important to do that. Yeah. I think oh, it's sure. important to invite people in into that. I think it's important to invite people in and allow them to grieve appropriately um, for for this person, this friend that they've lost. You know, Joy and I uh, knew Connie. We would you know, we would always say hi to her. And even at, at various church events, we would normally sit with her and speak with her. Um, but even in that, we, we lost, um, we lost a friend, but Lisa lost a mother. Sure. You lost a mother-in-law, your kids lost a grandmother. You know, there's, there's a sense in which that has to take precedence over, whatever it is that joy and I would be feeling. Yeah. Um, and I think people need to understand that the grief that the person is going through, that the immediate family is going through, that has to take priority. And so, um, sitting there and monopolizing time, particularly when so many people are trying to come in and just say even two words, you know, I'm sorry for your loss. Uh, can we do any, you know, even those, sentiments, letting people have the time to be able to do that. And then letting the family in particular have the time to be with who they want to be with, 
I think that's key, and I think that's important for people to understand and realize that mm-hmm. this isn't about what I want to get out and what I want to say. Yeah. Uh, this is about what what do they need at this moment? Uh, dude, I think you nailed it. And first of all, you enjoy that was your very clear. I remember you exactly where you guys were when we talked inside the room, and then you were hovering just outside, kind yep. of in the little annex to the room, little lobby, yeah. I guess. Uh, and if you remember, um, you made sure we had our friend, mutual friend, Teresa, that was going to pick up something for the funeral. Yes. And I said, oh, I'll send you that that receipt. Yes. And dude, this is my favorite moment. <laughs> this stands out. You said, hey, Greg, can I talk to you really quick? Because I was talking to people. And you said, I'm at Joy's prompting, your dear wife's prompting, I'm going to stand here and you can just talk to me, get your phone out, and make sure you send that receipt (laughs) to Teresa. Because you know me so well, you know I wouldn't. And, dude, it was gold. I sent her the receipt to pick up the the, the, uh, subs that uh, or sandwiches we were having for the post-funeral reception the next day. I never would have done that. (laughs) So, dude, talk about you being the embodiment of what does Greg need that would serve him and his family the best. Um, Dude, it was was masterful. It'll find its way into a sermon, too, I'm sure, one day, (laughs) not just that. But, yeah, and I I appreciate that, Nathan. It's very kind of you to uh, say that. I'm mindful of it, too. I... I would think this, if I go to a viewing, I yeah. think it's. I think most people can do it intuitively. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one, when there's a massive amount of people, yeah. which there were, it communicates by definition, okay, I can speak to kind of the center recipients yeah. for a pretty short time. Yeah. One, I can say this, and everybody knows this. I'm sure so many in our listening audience said, yep. When you've been the chief recipients at a viewing or something that are welcoming guests, it's moving. It's also it's just it's not the people. It's the dynamic. It's yeah. exhausting relationally. Yeah, there is a kind of exhaustion, dude, with relational tiredness. Oh yeah, it's really hard to match it. It's it's such a drain. It I, to me, it almost embodies itself in my head. Yeah. My head feels heavy. Yeah. You know, there's a, a, a sense of uh, just fatigue that's yep. uh, like no other. So I think most people intuitively know that. But this might be for this, like this individual who was at the 2 o'clock when it wasn't quite as crowded, but there were still a good number of people that came. Um, I don't know. For whatever reason, I would say just had a, was somewhat oblivious to where they were yeah. in proximity to the family. I'm actually, and Lisa to a lesser extent, the only real person they they know. Uh, and I'm also in that role trying, well, here, I can say this. I don't think they would mind. Lisa's brothers, one lives in Houston. The other two don't. They're not part of CFC. Yeah. So a lot of CFC people came from yeah. the church. And I recognize they probably don't know a lot mm-hmm. of these very kind people coming to express their 
their sympathies. So I'm trying to kind of work a little harder even that night. Yeah. You know, if I can make a quick introduction. Oh, by the way, uh, Scott, this is so-and-so. Yeah. They've been you know, friends of ours in the church for several years. And You know, remember sure. when I told you about such and such? That was them that helped. Oh, good, good. Give a little fodder yeah. for connection and quick conversation. So uh, it's it's exhausting relationally. Right. I mean, we went to the dinner between the two viewings. Yeah. Dude, I think we'd also, we we I haven't felt that tired in a while. Yeah. Cuz and I'm like, well, are we we going to do this again? Right. You know, two more hours of really heavy, sad, intensive conversation because the nature is so serious. Yeah. Your your loved one is right there. So, I would just say if you're going to a viewing and if you've never thought about this, um think where do I rank? Yeah. I hate to put it that crass, but that's what it is. Kind of in the pecking order. Yeah. Right? Um, I And if I find myself, I'm a friend. Yeah. Uh, and maybe a friend of maybe not the main yeah. recipient. I just went to a funeral uh, this Saturday, dude, members of our church. Um, and I sort of recognize the, 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 the person at the center of the grief is the mother who lost her husband, who I've met. Yeah. Not much. I've never had a long conversation with. Uh, but I know the son and daughter okay. much yeah. more because they've been members here for many years. So in my mind, I went because I definitely wanted to communicate to the son and daughter. Yeah, my love for them, my just that I'm praying for them, and I made a very quick hello to the mom. She's kind of the center. Yes. So my time with her, I kept very short. Yes. Because there were many people around. I dude, yeah. I mean like 15 seconds. Yeah. You know. Just wanted to say, like many, I'm praying for you. Yeah. I'm so sorry for your loss. Boom. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's another uh, thing that is helpful is to know when I am going to make that formal showing, yeah. where do I uh, And And stand. I think a good rule is, you know, if you know other people there, yes, be with them. Uh, th- be with the people exactly. that you know. And, and if you don't know a whole lot of other people there, ask yourself, do I actually even need to stay? That's a great, great observation. You know, and I yep. and I think that's key. If if there's a lot of people there that you know, yeah, uh, you know, as as you mentioned, Greg, a lot of CFC came sure. out, and so oh, it was wonderful. There was opportunity to 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 speak to different people. I had opportunity to speak to other people mm-hmm. and and speak with them. Uh, but then it got to the point where it was okay. I'm starting not to know people here, and yes. so again. 20 minutes and now it's okay it, it it's time for us to head out sure. and let uh let the family be with you know others who are coming in and uh, and all of that you know and i mean again it's not like it's not like we we rushed out you know we we didn't say goodbye to every member of your family we yep. said goodbye to you yep. you know asked you to convey to lisa you know oh, yeah. um and and that was that was it you know it's it's Again, like you said, it's it's that moment of just, hey, this person this person loves and cares about me enough to have been here, and and that's really that's all it is. That's all it takes. I, I think, dude, you you nailed it, and I do think that idea of knowing some other people because I will say, nice dude. Sometimes it's a nice thought that you, when you hear the chatter on the other side of the room, just pleasant chatter, like, well, there's a connection. Yeah, all of us are connected in some way, and that. It fills the room. It creates some some background noise. I mean, there's a lot of social dynamics yeah. at play in these things, uh, and that can be very, very good. 
but yeah, I I think uh, well, uh, Elliot, you know, who's uh, one of our elders, I serve mm-hmm. with on the team here. Uh, near the very end of the night, Nathan, you may have gone by this point. Um, there were some people that maybe you know came, they got off work, were able to get there just in time yep. for the last fifteen minutes or so, so a little before nine o'clock. And I'm in the back talking to him and a couple of other people. It's pleasant. Yep. At that point, some pleasantries and things going on in the world, et cetera. And I really appreciate it. Ellie just tapped me. He goes, Greg, I, I think you want to be up there. And when I turned, it was just sort of an impromptu. Lisa and the kids were kind of group hugging yeah. over the casket. It, and I said, thank you so much. Because yeah. I would obviously not want to miss that. It's not like they were leaving me out. Sure. They were just all there together, and they right. kind of had a moment. And obviously, like you said, that's the moment I need to be there for. Yes. It's more important than anything else, any quick conversation with uh, with someone else. Yeah. Um, and, dude, I did not have this happen, which was good. Not that I can recall. I'll give a what's not helpful. Yeah. Uh, we're kind of, you know, covering both in the category. We've talked about this. It relates to the Joe principle. Yeah. Um. So how do I caveat this? Scripture is God's word. It's always powerful. It always accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent. I want to say all the things so nobody doubts my take on the sufficiency of Scripture. Yes. I've built my life on the sufficiency of Scripture. So yes. I am a firm believer in its sufficiency and its power. Um, I'm also a firm believer that that same Scripture tells us in some pretty clear guidelines, when to quote it, when not to quote it. Um, This did not happen this time, but I'll tell you, most people that are grieving, particularly when the grief is fresh, do not need a sermon. Right. Uh, They need what we said, your presence, your love, the, the, the power of Christ. Now, I will say that, Matt and I had a good talk about this. I have had some occasions, and it might be because I'm a pastor, or it might just be because there's some respect there. I've had some people fresh with grief and say, Greg, would you talk to me sure. about heaven? Just And if the invitation is there, yes. ooh, of course. Yes. I'm all in. Yep. Dude, where do you want to start? Do you want to look at uh, Revelation, the, the very end of the book, and no yes. more tears, no more death, no more sickness, no more weep? Yeah, let's talk about that. Do you want to talk about uh, death's unnaturalness, yeah. that it is contrary to popular wisdom, not the circle of life, but right. it's an enemy. Paul says it's the last enemy to be destroyed. Job calls it the king of terrors. Yeah. Uh, Paul portrays it as a party crasher in Romans 5 that piggybacks uh, on sin and crashes the party of life. It's it's not a pretty picture. We can talk about that. Mm-hmm. So the invitation is there Yes. by all means. Yeah. If that invitation is not there, we should not force yeah. our way into it. So I, you've heard me say this before, uh, Nathan. On one of Lisa's miscarriages many, many years ago, again, it's always well-intentioned, uh, I had a couple of people, and they stand out, and sadly I still remember, that Romans 8.28ed us, like within the first 24 hours. So here's the thing. yes. The truth of Romans 8.28, most committed Christians haven't forgotten about that truth. Right. And they need you to come along with a big placard of reminder. Um, It's that the place in which they find themselves is the time of weeping. 
Yes. It's the time of grief and mourning. And what's what's the, the response? Well, the scripture's pretty clear. Weep with those who weep, weep yeah. right? Stand with those that are suffering and uh, just show your support, show your presence and your encouragement by being there. Um, the the sermon, the the upward movement of a psalm that starts with pain and ends with hope is just that. It's a progression. Yeah. It's not all coming at the same time. Right. And uh, weeping may last for a night. There's yeah. joy in the morning. Even that, there's a progression. Right. Nighttime, and it can be slow and long and the, the dark night of the soul, and then there's a time. So just that reminder, sometimes the way to be mo- the most faithful to Scripture is to heed its guidelines and not quote it prematurely. Yeah. Oh, agree 100%. Uh, you know, we've we've talked about this before. Um, C.S. Lewis writes two really good books on pain, right? The problem with yep. pain, which is the academic, doctrinally appropriate book that every college student should read yep. uh, because it is. It's a brilliant book yep. on uh, how to deal with pain and issues. Mm-hmm. But then he something happens. He experiences life. Yep. He gets married, loses his wife, uh, Joy, yep. to cancer. And he writes a different book called A Grief Observed. Yeah. And a grief, grief Observed is fascinating because it's written more journal style. It is. And I remember being struck by one passage in particular that I was reading where one day he he just kind of looks at his life, he looks at his belief in God, uh, and and looks at God himself, and it's it's all a farce. Yeah. This can't be real. Right. Look at the pain I'm going through. Look at the pain oh, that people yeah. go through. Yeah. This can't be real. God can't be real. Yeah. And then several days later, he writes another journal entry. Yeah. Where he he almost apologizes to himself for yeah. this, like, no, I do know that God is real. I yeah. do know that his son suffered on my, you know, and and it's fascinating though because in those moments he's he's writing from from the depths of his heart. Like yeah. this is what he's going through. Yeah. And what good does it do if you're writing this or thinking this, right? Yeah. You know, this is just this is all a farce. This can't be real. This can't be all there is to it. And then somebody comes along. Yeah. Oh, wait, we have an entire book called Job. Right. Where right. that happens. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, right, we see where where, yes, God does some correction of Job for him questioning him, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, who are you to question me? I mean, were you there when I created the foundations of the universe? You know, can you tame these wild beasts that I've created? You know, do you do you know the fathom of the universe and how far it stretches out? I mean, you know, who are you, you little ant, to question me? Yeah. And so, yeah, God does correct Job. But then he turns to his friends, yes. and he has correction for them, he too. Does. And at the end of it, he's like... Okay, now Job needs to go and make sacrifices on your behalf yep. to forgive you for what you've done. Yep. Because, I mean, when you read what his friends say, really, were they saying anything wrong? I know. 
You know, and that's know. what's interesting is like, I mean, his friends weren't really off from the things that they were saying. I mean, if we were to write, you know, a doctrinal book about this, I mean, there's some good stuff in there. Yeah, it's that's what's always made Job such an intriguing book is to what extent do we find wisdom in those long discourses? Because there is some good stuff. It's not um, villainy language. It's not like I'm going to get you and your right. little doggy too. Right. You know, okay, this is bad. This is the villain. Yeah. It's very different. Um, the ultimate rebuke does come. I mean, I think you can find a few places where they're probably probably a little too formulaic. Right. A little too you sin, so this might have come. So yeah, you could say that's that's rebuked. But I think your your point, uh, dude, is spot on that ultimately I think it probably has to do more with their method and their timing and presumption yes. than maybe the specifics of what they said. Because they never discourage like, oh, don't have faith in God, don't right. trust in God. There, there's no, like I said, clear language like that. And Dude, when you think about it, yeah, that whole book is just enshrining the reality of suffering. A shorter version of this is the biblical allusion made to Rachel, right? Yes. uh, When um, Herod has the children in the regions of Bethlehem slaughtered, yeah, and under, which is just such a heinous, hideous act. And you've got the reference there in uh, Matthew and uh, Rachel's her weeping for. Her children, she refused to be comforted, yeah. for they were no more. So if you think about that, refused to be comforted, that's enshrined yeah. as almost a, a a beautiful banner of God acknowledging the grief yeah. in a passage that says she refused to be comforted. Now, if you press that literally, well, you shouldn't refuse comfort. The, the Word of God always right. has a note of hope. But the point of that passage is to say, as we said last week, dude, that, you know, David, uh, you kept my tears in your bottle. Yeah. God is not uh, averse to grief. He doesn't run for the yeah. hills. As a, now, come on now. Let's let's hurry it up and get on to right. the hope and the joy and the trust and the good stuff. Um, You're on step five. Don't go back to step two. Yes, exactly. Dude, I, I've got a, I got a quick story about that, that. Oh, my goodness, it's heartbreaking. Uh, again, it was long enough. I'm hoping the statute of limitations helps. <laughs> All the qualifications, again. Long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Um, I mean, this goes back to my 20s and being a young pastor in another church. There was a gentleman that that uh, served there largely as a volunteer for a short period of time. Again, well-meaning. We are out together. We get a phone call that one of the ladies in our church, sweet lady, British lady named Audrey, um, went in for a routine procedure, mm-hmm. and they found very advanced cancer. Surprise to them. So she, dude, I mean, that morning woke up just thinking, oh, I hope I don't feel too nauseous when I wake up. I hope this isn't to to really getting a death sentence. Yeah. Um. So this individual and I, this gentleman I was with, and I went to see her. And when we walk into the hospital room, because they're going to keep her to do some more tests at St. Agnes Hospital in Baltimore, never forget we walk in, and she she almost just gave us her heart on a platter. Like she looked at us and just almost cried. Oh, oh can you? Like it was kind of a cry, kind of a... Uh, can you believe this sort of thing? And 
man, I'm 27 years old, my heart sank. The guy I was with was older. And maybe it was just bad instinct. Uh, he said, oh, now hold on now. The Lord is in control. Hmm. And I always remember she sort of recorded, like, oh, oh, I, I know. It came across, I don't want to say it was the intention, like a rebuke. Yeah. I'm like, even at the time, something rubbed me wrong on that. Yeah. If I could go back into that moment and have any influence over that approach, it would just be, I don't know if I'd say something to the guy or, or ahead of time or if I could just go myself, it would have been to go in, let that dear woman just ooze her yeah. shock and her grief if she'd received a hug. Yeah. Take it and just sit with her for a while. Yeah. Let her process that yeah. out loud. Because that's what scripture gives us the freedom to do. Yeah. Now, now, yes, if we're in a suspended state of animation where that never ends, right. when that can happen. Sure. I've seen it happen sometimes. Yeah. All right. How can we help that person? Yeah. You know, um, experience something that is progressive and has a goal and leads to faith and joy and trust. And, dude, you sent me one. Yeah. I'm going to talk you up in this, dude. Uh, I actually just pass it on to somebody else who's grieving. Mm. Um, we were talking in church, yep. uh, what, a week or two ago? I think we were talking about yeah. this series, weren't we? Yeah. And we were, yep. I'm going to find it right here. Uh, I think I'm going to find it. Do you want me to talk about it while you're looking for it? Uh, please do, dude. So th this is the Lord of the Rings one, right? It is. Yeah. So this is, um, I, I've always loved this yeah. quote, um, and, and you're, you're going to read the passage, but um, this is just, you know, we're, we're going to dive more into this uh, next week mm -hmm. when we talk about heaven and the joy of heaven and what it comes like. But Tolkien just paints this beautiful picture of, of what heaven is like, and this, this uh, what, what Greg's going to read is actually found in the books, in the movies, mm. it takes place. If you if you've seen the Lord of the Rings movie, The Return of the King, yep. it takes place as Gandalf and Pippin are kind of barred behind one of the upper gates of the city. Yeah, and the the hordes of orcs and urukai and trolls are about to break through, uh, and they're about to die. And and Pippin just kind of looks at Gandalf and, yeah. and says, this. "Dude, it's so good." Yeah, and I appreciate. It. I, I thank you for the privilege of reading it. Pippin says. I didn't think it would end this way. Gandalf, end? No, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path, one that we all must take. The gray rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass. And then you see it. What? Gandalf, see what? White shores and beyond a far green country under a swift sunrise. To which Pippin says, well, that isn't so bad. Gandalf says, no, no, it isn't. Yeah. Beautiful, dude. Yeah. I, I, I've taken an enormous comfort from that. It's just a sweet, just warm picture. I think it resonates with the truth of Scripture. I know we're getting it in secular literature. Right. Um, but it's good. Yeah. Dude, it's, it's, it's so good. I, I don't know why, dude. I think our biblical understanding informs these kind of passages and yeah. brings a sweetness that maybe some people can't squeeze out of it. Yeah. That's what makes it so good. I, I just told somebody on the parking lot yesterday, you know, you know, dude, it's 
it's one of my favorite scenes because it's just so simple in Jurassic Park. Yep. Uh, the daughter of the uh, 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 Richard Attenborough's or the granddaughter of the owner of the park. You know when. She and her brother are supposed to be watched by the blood-sucking lawyer. Right. Who, as soon as the T-Rex comes, he abandons him, meets a unceremonious <laughs> end right. off off the toilet. Uh, and then, of course, Sam Neill is trying to, we've got to go, we've got to go, and she's stunned. Yeah. And she says, um, he, 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 he left us. Yeah. You know, that's all she can That's see. all she can see, yeah. And then he's just so calm. He goes, but that's not what I'm going to do. Yeah. Oh. Dude, I get, I don't know what, I, in my mind, that's such a Christ-like, you know, the thief comes to ki- steal, steal and kill and destroy. Yeah. But that's not what I'm going to do. Yeah. I come that they might have life and have it abundantly to lay my life down. So this is a Tolkien passage like this, knowing he's on our team. Yeah. And through the the wise, compassionate character of Gandalf and the beautifully pure, frightened Pippin, yeah. it's just, it's a great way to get that truth. Yeah. Well, and and what's cool is, you know, Tolkien, I mean, this is kind of a little sidetrack, but Tolkien writes a whole work called The Silmarillion, which yeah. he, he talks about the creation of the universe. And yeah. so the the God character, Iluvatar, yeah. is, th- there's more to it, right? There's a plan, there's a purpose. Mm. And, you know, Gandalf speaks as he's, he's an Astari. He's essentially one of the angelic beings who yeah. has died and come back. Yeah. You know, and so Gandalf is facing basically a second death. Yeah. But he's like, Pippin, I can tell you from experience, this is what you face, right? And this is, wow. this is what Christ does for us, right? Christ has gone before us and has died. He's taken on the cross and not just died physically, because there were, you know, millions, billions of people who died physically before Christ. Yes. But he took the actual punishment and weight of all of our guilt, all of our shame, that final judgment that would come from God bears on him mm. so that he can honestly come back. And when he arises, he arises in glory and says, I'm coming back for you, and this is what it's going to be like. It's beautiful, dude. And it's, that's what gives it such power is it is there's one who's gone before us yeah. who can tell us what it's like. Dude, uh, it's absolutely. And the assurance, you know, uh, if I go, I go to prepare a place. Yeah. If it were not so, I would have told you, yeah. you know, the truth from the other side. Oh, dude, it gives me the chills. Dude, and looking at our time, this is probably the perfect place yes. to leave yes, for our for launching our, point for, for next, next podcast. Yep. Very good. Good conversation, my friend. Yes. Until the next time, we just rock the Casbah. Yes, sir. Thank you again for listening to These Go to 11, an unchurchy conversation about everyday faith. Once again, please make sure you like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast platform. And if you ever find yourself in the Forest Hill, Maryland area, please feel free to stop by at 135 Industry Lane, and you can get all of our service times and information at ChristFC.org. These go to 11.